Welcome to the Friday Five here on the Agent Survival Guide podcast. It's our list of five things that happened this week that you should know about. I'm your host, Sarah Rupel, and there was a lot that came through this week. Understandable, have to get in all that news before the Memorial Day weekend. Number one. First up on our list, recently announced by CMS, Medicare.gov has been redesigned and updated with usability in mind. The new look was created with consumer feedback and aims to clearly show what you can do on the site and how to do it, as well as how to easily find information. Because, let's be honest, government websites often have so much information that design sometimes ends up being an afterthought. And while I would say that their fave icon could use a refresh, I like what they've done on the site. Everything is laid out clearly and as concisely as you can really get when you've got a few different reasons why someone might come to this particular landing page. We'll be linking to Medicare.gov in our notes, so take some time to check out the new site, click around, get comfortable with where everything is, and don't forget to update references to the site in your presentations so that the experience for your clients is as clear as possible. Number two, last week, the D.C. District Court ruled that the Medicaid rebate accumulator rule violated the Administrative Procedure Act, or APA. The statute was part of a CMS rule published in late December 2020, establishing minimum standards in Medicaid state drug utilization review and supporting value-based purchasing for drugs covered in Medicaid, revisiting Medicaid drug rebate and third-party liability requirements. The accumulator part of the rule, as it was dubbed, refers to how Medicaid rebates would be calculated, hoping to pass savings along to consumers. The rule aimed to include help with copays, so essentially adding coupon savings into the Medicaid rebate amount for consumers rather than at the pharmaceutical level as it has been. District Court Judge Carl Nichols commented on his ruling and answered several questions surrounding the case, like, does pharmaceutical research and manufacturers of America have the right to sue? Does the Department of Health and Human Services have the authority to enforce the law as written? In addition to who qualifies as a quote-unquote best price eligible purchaser, the ruling decided that yes, the lawsuit from pharma, PHRMA, could move forward. They had the ability to sue HHS. And no, the Department of Health and Human Services does not have the authority to enforce the law, mainly because of how the law was written. And I'm going to quote straight from the ruling here, quote, a manufacturer's financial assistance to a patient does not qualify as a price made available from a manufacturer to a best price eligible purchaser. Rather, a manufacturer's financial assistance is available from the manufacturer to a best price eligible purchaser, and a patient is not a best price eligible purchaser, end quote. 
And then as far as the HHS having the authority or ability to investigate transactions as needed to uphold the original law as written, quote, under the proposed rule, manufacturers would need to conduct transaction-by-transaction investigations into the operations of accumulator adjustment programs, even though manufacturers have no control and sometimes no information concerning those programs, end quote. So far, no word on whether the Department of Health and Human Services will file an appeal against the ruling, but you can read more about the decision with the links in our notes. Number three, sticking with the Department of Health and Human Services. Late last week, the Biden administration, HHS, and the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration announced a grant that will provide $1.5 billion for state opioid response. The country has been fighting an opioid epidemic prior to and through the pandemic, and then with mental health coming more to the forefront of health awareness— This grant program is a start towards helping states get funding that they need. According to Dr. Raul Gupta, director of the White House Office of National Drug Control Policy, quote, At this time, less than one out of 10 people in the United States who need addiction care get it. That is why President Biden released a national drug control strategy to beat the overdose epidemic by going after its drivers, untreated addiction and drug trafficking, end quote. This grant funding would go towards a variety of tools in the fight against opioid use disorder, like access to approved medications for treatment, prevention, treatment in general, and recovery support. Monetary amounts have been allocated ahead of time, based on state opioid use disorder-related mortality rates. And if you or someone you know is struggling with opioid use, you can talk to someone by calling 1-800-662-HELP or by visiting findtreatment.gov. Number four, social security delays are real, and it looks like the organization is asking for more help. We recently published a news episode about how, in some cases, Medicare isn't charging late enrollment penalties for clients who have been waiting on Medicare enrollments because of being unable to get in touch with the Social Security Administration. Last week, Grace Kim, Deputy Commissioner for Operations, told Congress that the department needs more money to get their customer service back on track. She said, quote, we are at our lowest staffing levels in 25 years. This has been driven by years of insufficient funding and hiring freezes compounded by unprecedented attrition, end quote. According to a piece by Allison Bell in ThinkAdvisor, as beneficiaries have increased, funding for the Social Security Administration's budget has fallen. Since 2010, 11 million people have been added to the Social Security roles, and during that same time frame, their budget has dropped by 14%, a budget that is already adjusted for inflation. Proposed funding for 2023 includes an operating budget of $14.8 billion for the Social Security Administration. 
we will be keeping an eye out for future proposals that would allocate more funding to Social Security, as well as other non-monetary solutions to the delays they and many Medicare hopefuls are facing. Number five, just a quick mention here, but the dates have been announced on the site, so I felt like it was worth mentioning. AHIP has announced the timeframe for their update to the 2023 version of Medicare and Fraud, Waste, and Abuse Training. On Thursday, June 16th at 11.59 Eastern Time, the 2022 version of the training will no longer be available. The training site will remain down for updates to the training over the weekend, and then the updated 2023 version will go live on Monday, June 20th. Something to keep in mind and mark on your calendars as we prepare to say goodbye to May and move into June. And of course, we will have updates and reminders closer to that date as well. Rupel recommends. Medicare.gov is not the only one to have a recent brand refresh. Instagram announced their refreshed brand earlier this week, and try saying that five times fast. Now, last week, I thought that something looked different about their app icon, but I couldn't quite place what it was. But it's not just the app icon, which, fun fact, they call the shape of it the squircle. Instagram also debuted a brand new typeface, Instagram Sans, which is an interesting mashup of regular sans-serif letters and some more interesting letter representations. Some of the combinations mimic cursive connectors, some don't. It's a different font, and the more I look at it, the more it grows on me just for the sheer fact that it's unique and different. But I also love that it was designed to be able to display as many languages as possible, even Thai and Japanese. And because it's meta, Instagram put out a really cool interactive website about the brand refresh, complete with the backstory on their typeface, the new gradient, colors, and layouts. It's a pretty cool presentation, and I've got to say, the photography they chose to feature in their brand announcement was pretty cool as well, especially the nod to Scott Westerfeld's Pretty Speak and those sunglasses with lenses that look like camera film. Those are pretty cool. Now, as a fellow creative and story enthusiast, I love the stories behind brand choices like logos, fonts, and colors. And I also love when articles about design changes troll users, like the 9to5 Mac write-up that had to mention in its headline on the brand refresh that there was still no standalone iPad app coming for Instagram. And that wraps it up for this week's episode. I hope you have a great weekend. Stay healthy and stay safe out there. And we will see you next week. The Agent Survival Guide podcast is a production of Ritter Insurance Marketing. This episode was written and produced by me, Sarah Rupel. Script editing by Tina Lamaru. Artwork by Vivian Zhao. 